Welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for Plains United Methodist Church of Plains and for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Our scripture is for later in the service so that you may look them up if you want to, will be Isaiah 51 verses 1 through 6. And our scripture from Exodus comes from two separate chapters, so it'll be Exodus 1 8 through 17 and verse 22, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I am Reverend Tenny Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have, and let me know if they're private in nature, or if it's okay for me to share them on the next week's podcast so that your church family, your charge family, can be praying for you. Again, my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for Clyde Dukes, for Rebecca, who is fighting cancer, for little Nate Gray, a child in the area who is fighting cancer again. This is a reoccurring problem, and he and his family really need your prayers. Little Nate Gray. For Sue and Ty Williams, for a baby named Boston who was born prematurely, and for all our healthcare workers and first responders, for all our governmental and civic leaders. Today is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, August 23rd, 2020. Our gathering music, our first hymn for this morning, comes from the little black booklet that we sometimes use called The Faith We Sing number 2164. It is entitled Sanctuary. I'll be singing through it and I will go ahead and sing through it two times. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Our gathering meditation for this morning is taken from the book of Romans, an epistle of Paul, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our call to worship for this morning is taken from Psalm 138. We give you thanks, O Lord. With our whole heart, we sing your praise. On the days we called out to you, you answered us. 
you increased the strength of our souls. Though we have walked in the midst of trouble, you preserved us and delivered us. We give you thanks, O Lord. With our whole heart, we sing your praise. Please join with me in praying our opening prayer. Let us pray. Holy Lord and maker of heaven and earth, you have made all things according to your word. God of flesh, you have made us the stewards of all your creation. We take this time to worship you and praise your name. May our worship be acceptable to you. Let us ride on the wings of our praises and refresh our spirits in you. As we begin our time together today, guide us toward your will and toward your way. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is taken from the regular hymnal, number 131, and is entitled, We Gather Together. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. He hastens and chastens his will to make known. The wicked oppressing now cease from distressing, sing praises to his name. He forgets not his own. Beside us to guide us, our God with us joining, ordaining, maintaining his kingdom divine. So from the beginning, the fight we were winning. Thou, Lord, wast at our side, all glory be thine. We all do extol thee, thou leader triumphant, and pray that thou still our defender wilt be. Let thy congregation escape tribulation. Thy name be ever praised, O Lord, make us free. Let us join together now in our confession of faith as we recite the Apostles' Creed together. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Our children's message for this morning. I have a story I'd like to tell you. It's a story about a girl who lived on a small farm many years ago and who had four brothers and two sisters. With such a large family, you can imagine that there were lots of dishes to wash after mealtimes at the time, most people didn't have dishwashers, so everyone had to pitch in and do his or her part. At first, this girl's job was to take all the leftover food that was scraped off of the plates, to take those food scraps out to the animals, to the, the goats and the dogs and the cats, 
and then she was to come back in and help with another job after she was done. But do you know what? It would take this little girl the longest time to give the animals the food scraps. So long, in fact, that most of the time when she got back inside, the dishes were already completely washed and totally done. The work was already done. Well, her family soon caught on to her taking out the scraps trick. So they assigned that job to someone else. When the girl got her new job to do, it just so happened that she had to go to the bathroom badly and couldn't wait. You can guess that she was in the bathroom a really long time. Sometimes she would even crawl out the bathroom window and go out into the farmyard to play. Surely none of us have ever done anything like that. In truth, I'm afraid all of us have probably tried to get out of a job we didn't like at some point or another in our lives. I'd like to read a verse in the Bible that talks about work. The scripture comes from a book called Colossians. Listen. In all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were working for the Lord and not for people. If we are students, we should do the best we can in school. If our moms or dads ask us to do a job at home, instead of doing a sloppy, half-done job, we should do the best we can to do that job. And in church, we should also do our best at the jobs we agree to do. As the scripture says, we should work as if we're working for the Lord, not for other people. As if Jesus was our boss because truly and hopefully he is. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to remember that good effort or really trying makes you happy. Help us to do the things we do, schoolwork and chores, all the helping. Help us to do all these things with you in our minds. Remind us that we should try to work as if we are working just for you. Amen. Join me in our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God of all faithfulness, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faith-filled and obedient lives through our Lord Jesus the Christ and all God's children say, Amen. Both of our readings this morning are from the Old Testament, the first one from the book of Isaiah and the second one from the book of Exodus. Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, 
for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring nearer my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never be ended. And from the book of Exodus, selected verses from chapters 1 and 2. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and, in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew or Israelite midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. Then the Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When the daughter of Pharaoh opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called Moses' mother. The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, Moses' mother brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The message for this morning is entitled, In the Reeds. 
So after Joseph rose to power and had saved his father and brothers and extended family from famine and had been in power for some time after that, well then, after all of that, a different Pharaoh is in power. Now you remember Joseph, right? If you were in church or tuned into the podcast last week, we talked about him then. The great-grandson of Abraham, grandson of Isaac, son of Jacob, the son of Jacob who dreamed his dreams and bragged on his own greatness and angered his brothers greatly. The one who was so beloved by their father that the sons, his brothers, became very jealous of Joseph and thought to attack him and to sell him off as a slave. Well, this Joseph, this same guy is still in Egypt after all this time, after all his dreams and his swift and sure rise to power, Joseph's still in Egypt, but now a different Pharaoh has come along to rule. A new Pharaoh, a new guy on the block. A guy who doesn't care about the old Pharaoh's second in command. A new guy with ultimate power who doesn't hold Joseph in high esteem. A new ruler who, rather than wanting to honor and protect Joseph and his family and his people, a new ruler who instead feels threatened by them and feels hostility toward them. Because you see, this new Pharaoh has seen the large population of the Israelites. He has seen their established community and their increasing strength, and he is worried. This new Pharaoh is afraid. He's troubled that, as the scripture says, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than his own people, the Egyptians. And he says to his people, Come, let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us to take us out or to take us over. This Pharaoh is afraid of losing power. This Pharaoh is afraid of losing his free workforce. This Pharaoh is afraid of a cultural shift and is afraid of change. And so out of his fear, he does a horrid thing, a terrible thing. And isn't that just the way of it sometimes, that out of our worst fear, we do all of the wrong things, that we make the worst decisions, the most selfish choices, when we feel overwhelmed, when we are challenged, when we feel cornered, when we're afraid? This Pharaoh certainly did. Out of his fear, he set taskmasters over the Israelites in his land, and he oppressed the Israelites with forced labor. He was ruthless, the scripture tells us in the imposing of tasks upon them. Yet the Israelites did all which was asked of them, and they did it quickly and well, and they continued to increase in strength and numbers, and the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They came to fear them and to loathe them, and so out of the fear, the Pharaoh decided that something needed to be done, and he got a wicked and unholy idea in his head, and so he talked to the Hebrew or the Israelite midwives, those that helped at births, And he told these midwives to kill all the Israelite babies who were born, the boys, to kill them, but to let the baby girls live. Now let's break away from the progression of this story for just a moment in order to talk about this order or command that was given to these women. Think about it. The ruler of the day, the high king of all of Egypt, The most powerful man in the land gave a command. And he gave this command not to his own soldiers or attendants or guards, but he gave it to two slave women. 
He commanded two women of the enslaved Israelite tribe to do something for him. The scripture doesn't say it, but it's probable that these women could have expected security for themselves from him and and riches if they could have ex- and they could have expected his protection and his approval if if they obeyed his command and did as he bid them to do. They would have benefited. And think about it. These two women were of an oppressed people, a people who were living in a foreign and hostile land. And these women had extended family and friends to think about. They had people of their own who would likely be targeted and punished and possibly even killed if they failed to obey. And yet the scripture tells us that the midwives feared God and that they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them and that they let the baby boys live. So even though they were likely very, very afraid, And even though they could, with their obedience, secure their future and the future of their loved ones, these two Israelite midwives did what they knew was right, the good and faithful thing. And they disregarded their security and they disobeyed the Pharaoh and they let the male babies live. Now I'm going to make a point and and I'll get back to this point a little bit later in the sermon to explain it more. But let me just make it now. Let me say it now. These women stood in the reeds. I'll get back to it, but listen. They stood in the reeds. Then the scripture moves on to a more familiar tale of Moses being born and spared and of his mother loving him and hiding him for three months and in, in her home and in her care. Of Moses' mother putting her husband and her parents and her friends and whomever else might have been in her life. Of his mother putting all of these loved ones in danger as she nursed and cleaned and rocked and hid her son from the soldiers, hid him from the authorities, and even the everyday people who would throw him in the Nile, who would put him to death. And then Exodus chapter 2 verse 3 and beyond, then When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. And that the daughter of the pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. And most of us know the rest of the story. That Pharaoh's daughter adopted this basketed baby, that she loved the boy and raised him as her own. This boy she took from the reeds, this child rescued from the reeds. I've mentioned this in sermons before, but the waters, for the ancient Jewish peoples, they were an intimidating thing, downright menacing, in fact. Waters were vast and mysterious. They were scary, those which roiled and churned and those which ran with current. For the ancient Jew, water was a thing to be cautious around and suspicious of, because all waters to them were fraught with danger and full of the unknown. It's important to remember that the waters for the Israelites, well, they symbolized chaos and nothingness. The Israelites believed that the lakes and oceans and rivers were linked to the first waters, the waters of chaos which existed before creation, before God calmed and ordered all which was before him, before God reached out over those frightening waters of chaos and created dry land and abundance and life. 
So think of the unknown of the waters and think of entering into them from riverside or shoreline, of easing into the current or the waves in the midst of tall reeds, reeds which could tangle around an ankle, reeds which could hide the presence of a predatory fish and poisonous snakes and hungry crocodiles. You see, the waters themselves were troubling to the Israelites, and their reedy shorelines weren't any better. But it was into this water and into these reeds that Moses was placed. It was onto this water and into these reeds that his pitch-lined basket was set afloat. It was onto these waters and into these reeds that the maid of Pharaoh's daughter entered in order to retrieve him. Into the reeds into the danger, into the unknown place, into a place which is already part of the waters but still somehow part of the land, riddled with the mysterious, fraught with chaos. This is how we're going to look at reeds this morning, as the place where safety and security are not assured, as an in-between place in which we experience all the flowing and tugging, in which we feel our heartbeats quicken, in which danger lurks and hides and stares at us from yellow, unblinking eyes. In the reeds. This is where the midwives stood as they defied Pharaoh's direct order and refused to kill the newborn baby boys. This is where Moses' mother stood as she kept and cuddled and loved and nursed and hid her prohibited son. This is where Moses' sister stood as she kept an eye on the floating basket, on her little brother as he floated in it perilously. This is where the daughter of this pharaoh bid her maid to enter, as they not only noticed but then rescued the baby from his basket. This helpless tiny refugee from the currents and tides of chaos which tugged and pulled at him. And this is where we need to be in our time and in our place, in our times and our places of dangerous and unknown spaces, we need to be in the reeds. And what that means is, is that we need to not be indifferent to other suffering and vulnerability, but rather to be fully concerned about it. Not distant and far removed from it, but present and moving into it, entering into the reeds, wading into the chaos and danger, into the threat, wading on in, in order to notice those in need, in order to care about those in need, in order to get closer to those in need, and to finally and faithfully help them. This is where we need to be. Not worried about what other people will think or scared to do the right thing. Not frozen in fear and afraid to wade on in, but rather bravely venturing out into the reeds. As Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called, no, we are commanded to be about sinking waist deep and then shoulder deep into conflict and contention in order to challenge unloving practices and to stand up to injustice and to help those who need it. This is where we need to be. This is what we should be doing. This is who we really are as disciples of Christ not self-concerned, but taken up and taken over by a concern for others. Not afraid and worried, but free and empowered. 
not still and settled on the safe shoreline of our own content, but challenged by discontent and moving out, out into the reeds in order to make a change for the better, to be of loving help to others, and to be in faithful discipleship to our Lord Jesus Christ. And once we do this, once we are no longer so afraid that we go along with all the bad decisions that are made, once we do this, once we are finally persuaded to promote a way of living that is life-giving to all, then we will be in line with God's call to God's people when our Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, Listen to me. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never be ended. Let us be a part of God's salvation for others. Let us participate in God's deliverance to others. Let us be unafraid to step out and into the reeds so that we may be like those two Israelite midwives and that we will do what we know is the right and good and faithful thing as we disregard our own security and as we challenge all the powers of oppression and injustice and as we help the vulnerable other to truly and freely live. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is one that is entitled, Lord God, Your Love Has Called Us Here. Number 579 in our hymnal. I'll be reading it. Lord God, Your love has called us here as we by love for love were made. Your living likeness still we bear, though marred, dishonored, disobeyed, we come with all our heart and mind, your call to hear, your love to find. We come with self-inflicted pains of broken trust and chosen wrong, half free, half bound by inner chains, by social forces swept along, by powers and systems close confined, yet seeking hope for humankind. Lord God, in Christ, you call our name and then receive us as your own, though not through some merit, right, or claim, but by your gracious love alone. We strain to glimpse your mercy seat and find you kneeling at our feet. Then take the towel and break the bread and humble us and call us friends Suffer and serve till all are fed and show how grandly love intends to work till all creation sings to fill all worlds, to crown all things. Lord God in Christ, you set us free, your life to live, your joy to share. Give us your spirit's liberty to turn from guilt and dull despair and offer all that faith can do while love is making all things new. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Please remember that even though this podcast may make it easier some days not to come to church, and I do understand that many of us are still nervous about the virus and don't want to take that chance, but please remember if you do feel comfortable in coming that your church family needs your presence, your smiles, your helpfulness, your faces, 
They need to see you and be around you and to be reassured by you. Church attendance should not be about what we get out of it personally. Rather, it should always be about the worship that we give to God and about what we are meant to give back to others. As God gave generously to us, so we give back unto our God. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, you have provided each of us with unique gifts. Thank you, Lord, for the talents and abilities of the people within this charge. We are a blessed people. Unite us now as we are of one body and as we share in this worshipful act of the offering. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Wise and patient God, you sent your Son into our midst to teach us that the things which are valued by the world are not the things upon which you would build your kingdom. We have heard these words time after time throughout the centuries, from Christ's teachings, from Paul's urgings, and from the church's best moments, and still we walk in foolishness by valuing the bold over the meek and the wealthy over the poor and by embracing vengeance over mercy. O God, whose word is truth and whose love is light, let your truth and light fill our spaces. Open our minds that we may come to understand your will and your way. Open our hearts that we may learn to care more deeply for one another. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ and continue to pray as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn for this morning is Lead On, O King Eternal. I'll be reading it. 
Please listen to the lyrics. Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of March has come. Henceforth in fields of conquest, thy tents shall be our home. Through days of preparation, thy grace has made us strong, and now, O King Eternal, we lift our battle song. Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace. For not with swords loud clashing, nor roll of stirring drums, with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like morning where'er thy face appears. Thy cross is lifted o'er us, we journey in its light. The crown awaits the conquest, lead on, O God of might. Before we take our leave now of one another by turning off this podcast, may we recite the Wesleyan Covenant prayer together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are mine, and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forevermore. Amen. Shalom to you now, shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends, in all your living and through your loving. Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.